0: Well, we're starting a a new, what I think will be a four-week series again. Uh, This one is going to be a little different than many that I've ever went through. But I think it's very appropriate for the days that we're living in, and it's actually very appropriate for all of us as human beings. The, The series itself is called Margin. Margin. The part I really like of the title of the series is leaving room for God to work, leaving room for the Lord to work. And the title of this particular message, I've called it, you know, a thief called anxiety, thief called anxiety. I could have used the word, but the word worry there, but anxiety is on a whole nother level beyond worry. And I'll be coming back to that in just a few minutes, but I want to talk about this thing called margin, first of all. When when you hear the word margin, what do we think about? Well, it depends on our, what we're doing. Um, it depends on our perception of things. Margin to somebody, or you hear that word, you might just think of that little side on the piece of paper. That's the margin. Now, if you're a businessman, you might be thinking something like profit margin, building some margins into whatever product it is we're selling. We're going to be looking at a margin in a sense uh, at least four different ways in the next couple, of three weeks after today. The margin that things in our lives that we need to deal with, take care of, maybe remove, maybe add to create margin in our lives for the room to God to work in our lives the way that He wants to work. You know, God has a lot of things that He has planned for every one of us. You hear it often, I hope you hear it often from here that God has a purpose and a destiny for each one of us. But a lot of times... We read in the scriptures this four-letter word, wait upon the Lord. Well, waiting upon the Lord should give us an indication that God needs a little margin in our life where he wants to work, where he wants to meet with us. And most of us aren't real good at establishing margin. I'm going to give you a few different definitions of margin. And I like all three of them. I like to kind of put them together. First definition you could use is the space that separates us from our limits. You know, one of the things that is kind of a pet peeve of mine, and it's really a trivial, unimportant thing, but it drives me crazy when I hear athletes tell me we're going to give 110%. How many of you know that's not possible? We've got 100%. We've got a capacity. We've got limits that we're going to reach. You know, I'm going to give 200% today. What the heck? You can't. I just want 100%. That's all we need is 100% because that's all we've got to offer. But we cannot maintain 100% indefinitely. We will crash and burn. 100%. We need some sort of limit or margin before we reach that limit. Another definition is flexibility or having more than enough. Flexibility. In our lives, is there margin so that your life can even be flexible? Flexible that you can adapt, that you can adjust when things happen. Because if there's not, when those things happen, because they're going to happen anyway, you're going to experience stress, anxiety, worry, fear, physical issues. It can get just out of control. But it requires having some margin in our life so there is flexibility for us to be utilizing. More than enough, more than enough time, more than enough room that we can be flexible. And the third one is simply... A permissible difference, allowing some freedom to move within limits. And again, I want to stress, we all have limits. We all have limits. Sometimes we fall into the snare of the enemy to start comparing ourselves to other people who seem to have way more ability to be productive, to do way more. It seems like, gee, they don't have any limits. They can just take more and more and more and more. No no one's that way. But we're all built differently, and we all do have different limits, different capacities. That's the way God created us. We need to understand that we can't start comparing ourselves to other people because when we create margin in our life, there is a little more freedom, freedom because it removes pressure. It removes stress. It can remove tension, knowing that there is some room for us to be flexible, Margin in our lives as human beings are really, really important. And frankly, I know a lot of us, D personalities, A personalities, depending what test you take. Man, we're just, what do you do when you look at your calendar? Figure out what else you can put in it. Somebody calls me and says, I need to come in and see you. When can I come? You look at your calendar and you say, well, it doesn't matter. There's no room, but we got to put it in here somewhere. We all have this tendency to stick more stuff in. Part of our culture in a great way. We don't want to forget about that thing called margin in our life. God created us with that need. Next week, Casey's going to be speaking about one of the areas in our lives we need margin called Sabbath. God's idea. I want you to know, guess what he created first? People or Sabbath? People. People. And he created it for people. He knows we need margin in a lot of areas of our life. And he wants us to create margin. Now, I'll talk about time in just a minute, but don't hear me wrong. You can't create time. Only God is in charge of that. You can't create time. There's a limit. We all, every single one of us on this earth, have a finite amount of time that we're going to be on this earth. On this earth. We all have the same 24 hours, the same number of minutes, the same number of seconds. We can't create more of it, but we have the ability to create margin within that time. And that's what I'm going to be focusing on primarily today. We're going to be focusing in these four weeks, creating margin so that we can really refocus and have rest. We're going to create margin in the area of, talk about creating margin in the area of our finances, wouldn't you love to have a little margin in your finances? Creating margins through our spiritual disciplines. One of the best ways to create margin is through our spiritual disciplines. What are spiritual dis- disciplines? Prayer, reading the Word, spending time meditating with the Lord. Our spiritual disciplines and create margin. And the one I'm going to be talking about today is creating margins by not allowing a thief to steal your margin. The thief called anxiety, worry, fear. As Christians, we should know that those things are totally worthless. Totally pointless. They accomplish nothing. And yet we spend so much time in that state of anxiety. You know, and it's... it's timely. you know The things we went through, through that whole COVID thing, lots of fear, lots of worry, lots of anxiety. But our world is filled with chaos. It's filled with confusion. It's filled with things that if we want to focus on those things, even if we have some free time, our mind will go to that as a tendency. And when we go there, all of a sudden, God, you just feel anxiety, maybe even a tightness in your chest. It just can overwhelm you if we allow it. So I'm going to talk a little bit first about freedom that's found in our margins. To really have a freedom in our daily lives, we have margin. How much margin do you intentionally create? Now, I've got to tell you, I'm preaching to me probably more than almost anybody else in here. I am not good at setting aside margin and making sure that that margin remains available for the God to speak to my life. Speak into my life. Reveal himself to me. Draw him closer to me. I have a tendency to fill it up. Starts out, it looks good. How's your calendar? It looks great. I don't have much in there all next week. And by the end of the week, it's so full. Sound familiar to anybody else? We do these things. We need time. Time. And again, I can't stress enough, even in the title, that, that it really leaves room for God to work when we set aside time intentionally. When there's no margin, and I mentioned this already, but it has an impact on us even physiologically. It has an impact. It, it begins to create stress. It can lead to oppression and depression. It can lead to even greater physical ailments that started in this Reality that we had no margin in our life, and anxiety is filling it in and taking up all of our extra time, our extra thoughts, all the things that really they're pointless and the reality is you know and when you when you say these things sometimes now there there is a well let me back up there is a if a worry I guess if you want to call it that that I would rather call it concern, there is something that God put in us that we might call worry, but it's a concern. It's not something that overwhelms us. It's not something that steals all of our attention. But it creates a healthy concern for whatever that thing is. That's not the worry I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the kind of worry and anxiety that starts to consume us. And our focus is not, on, not a concern because there's something that we can probably deal with. It's our focus is now filled with worry and anxiety over something we can't do a thing about. But we're going to worry and fret over it anyway. It steals that time that the Lord wants to speak into our lives. And Jesus spends some time talking about worry and anxiety, and so do the apostles. I want us to, to look at what Jesus talks about in the section of Scripture found in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. This is a section of Scripture that's part of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is speaking to people about what they should look like. And he actually, the Beatitudes, what we call the Beatitudes, the Blessed Are, can kind of describe what a Christian should look like, be like. And then he goes on and gives a lot of different instruction. So I want us to just think of this. We're, we're, he's talking to us as believers. Because what he's saying really isn't even possible for an unbeliever. And it's really only possible to a believer by the power of the Holy Spirit. So he's given this kind of instruction. And he starts out in, in verse 25, for this reason. Glenn, if you were in adult Bible school, talked about the word therefore. It's kind of here. It could be therefore in some translations instead of it saying for this reason. He's saying therefore, for this reason. We'll bounce back to that because when we should be then, causing to look and say therefore because of what? And it says, therefore, for this reason, I say to you, do not be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor for your body as to what you shall put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow, neither do they reap. They don't gather into barns, and yet their heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than them? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single cubit to your life span? And why are you anxious about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory did not close himself like one of these. But if God so raised the grass of the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow it's thrown into the furnace, will he not do much more, or will he not much more do so for you? O men of little faith. Do not be anxious then, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or with what shall we clothe ourselves? For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Sometimes I wish you wouldn't put that last part in there. <laughs> Each day is going to have trouble, church. What are you going to do with it? I think I'll spend all day today worrying about it because it might happen tomorrow. As I said, this is his Sermon on the Mount, Instructions for Us, What If. Have you ever played the What If game? You may not have called it the What If game. Well, we've all thought these kinds of things and said these kinds of things. What if? So when I first thought of that, I said, what if? What if an Adam and Eve hadn't eaten that stupid fruit? Cow. What if my body never got old? Or at least it took longer than a few years. What if? What if there was no wars ever again? What if? What if? What if there's no poverty and no hunger anywhere on the planet? What if I'd have bought high, whoops, bought low and sold high instead of buying high and selling low? What if? What if pigs could fly? No, I I was really going to say, what if I could fly? You know, we we play this game and we, we go through these thoughts sometimes, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with them, but you know what? The moments or the impact or the, even the joy that they might bring or the conversations they might start only last for a few minutes. Because I'm not going to change reality by the what ifs. It's not going to happen. Now, on the flip side of that, anxiety works the same way, only it will stick around a lot longer. What if? What if? how our mind goes to the worst things that could possibly happen and in all likelihood are never, ever going to happen anyway in our daily lives. Now, when Jesus is giving this message, he's talking about food and he's talking about nice clothes and all these things. But I would like you to think of it in terms of all of the natural material things that we have to deal with on a daily basis. Not just food, not just clothing, because we might have the temptation to sit back and say, well, I don't worry about either of those two things, but boy, oh, boy. My finances, boy, they're a mess. My marriage is in big trouble. And we we take these things and we start worrying about them, thinking about it, And and if we do the what if and the worst case scenario, I guarantee you, you you're going to become a very miserable human being. You're going to be filled with worry, fear, and anxiety. And it's going to control you when we do these things. When we do these things in the negative, it causes us to have stress. Obviously, it'll cause us to to act irrationally. We we will be doing irrational things. We, Why am I doing that? And you may not even have the sense of at that time to say that. But the person that's impacting will say that. How many times have you been told when you're worried and anxious and just fretting about something and? And someone will come up and say, why are you worried about that? You don't even know if it's going to happen. You don't have a clue what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day or the next day. Yeah, but, is usually the first two words of your next response. It could. Well, we could get hit by an asteroid. The planet could blow up. I mean, it's almost as, as worth as much time worrying about those kinds of things as these things into the future that we have no control over, whatsoever. And it can lead us into a place of paralyzing fear. When we go back to the opening words of that section of Scripture, therefore, or for this reason, if you read what Jesus has been talking about, he'd been t- talking about money and treasure, storing up treasure in heaven, not treasure on earth, things like that. And, and basically what he's saying in my mind, is why are you worried about all these things here in the natural, all these material things? Focus on kingdom things. Focus on a relationship with me. Focus on the truth that I'm trying to teach you. Don't worry about all this other stuff. Now remember, there's some things we need a legitimate concern about. I'm not saying that. But focus on on what's important. And he gets to the end of this section of Scripture and he talks that way. And then he goes on and he says, don't be anxious for life, for this life. Now, you may or may not know that there's different Greek words that are translated as life in our Bible. There's at least three. And there's corresponding words in the Hebrew have basically the same main meaning. The word here is the first one that you see out there This suke life. Basically, this is talking about being like the animals without a spirit. Now, I could get trouble already with you animal lovers. Your dog may or may not be in heaven when you get there. (laughs) As far as I'll go. But as far as we can detect as human beings, we don't notice that they have a spirit, okay? But we could be wrong. That's for the animal lovers. But it's that animal thing. It's just, that's it, a base need. What are, what are they thinking about? My dog thinks about one thing almost more than anything, and that's called food. And if he sees me carrying a gun, he's thinking hunting. But it doesn't go much beyond that other than he really likes me no matter what, so I like my dog. But that's the word that's used here. Why are you so concerned or anxious for your life? Another word that's translated life is Numa. And this is what separates us as far as we understand from the animals of the world. That immortal part of us, our spirit. The Numa, life. Not just the Suke, but the Numa. And then there's a the third word, Zoe. And zoe simply means living. A plant is zoe. So we've got three words, and the reason I point this out is if we are anxious about all things, and if this word is intentionally used, which I believe it is, it's saying, why would you live at the level of the animals? Why are you so worried about all these natural things that you think you have to have? Not just food, not just clothing, but everything else in our lives in this natural realm that we live in. Why are you so worried? You're no different than the animals. Come on, I created you in my image. I created you for so much more than that. I've saved you. I've sent my son to die for you. I've, I've given you the grace to accept the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. I've given you my Holy Spirit to live in you and to work into you, to empower you. I've given you all of these things. I've given you my words so you know my promises. For you, I want you to focus on the spiritual. I want you to focus on the kingdom of God. I want you to focus on me, me when it comes to the birds. I feed the birds. they never have planted a crop once they haven 't planted a single plant well, sort of they have haven 't they. <laughs> But look at them. They never go hungry. They know where. But I do need to tell us, you know, how many of you know birds don't just perch on a tree with our mouth open waiting for food to fall from heaven? doesn't work that way. But he provides everything they're going to eat. And they have to work for it. They have to do what they're designed to do. So we don't want to say, gee, we're going to be like the birds and God's going to give us everything. Yes, he will give you everything because everything comes from him. But he may give it to you through your job, through your work, etc. I think we all get that. Look at the birds of the air. Look at the lilies. Don't I close them in such beauty? If you're not familiar with Solomon in the scripture, nobody had finer things than Solomon. And he's saying, just a flower out there, a wild flower. I have designed that flower. It has nothing to do with the flower. It didn't earn it. It didn't deserve it. But I've designed it with this beauty. And if that flower is alive today and dies tomorrow and can be burned for somebody's fuel, you think I don't care about you more than I care about the lilies? What is he challenging us with? Understanding who we are in Christ and who he is as our creator and our savior their provider it all is his and it all comes from him one way or another directly or indirectly how much more are you worth than the birds how much more are you worth than flowers the grasses how much more are you worth And and when we we start to fall into this trap of worry and anxiety, it's sin. It's sin. How can I call it that? Because he tells us not to worry. Not to let anxiety overwhelm us. He says, trust me. Put your trust in me. When that anxiety comes on me and I am worried and concerned in, in, in this unhealthy way, It's sin. I need to repent of that. Why? Because I'm not trusting in him to do what he says he's going to do. He has promised me that he will do these things. Whatever it is, whether it's food or clothing, relationships, finances, trust me, is what he's saying. Put your faith, put your trust in me. And when we let anxiety overwhelm us, This is where I come back to making margin in our time. Man, when when we fall into this snare, it it, it can not only take up our free time, it'll consume us all day long if we let it and everything that we're doing. So while we're supposed to be doing everything under the glory of God, we might be fulfilling a task, doing a job, doing work, but we're so filled with anxiety that we've lost our focus completely. Do it as unto the Lord. Be anxious for nothing. Be focused on your spiritual life. focused on being connected to me. And he's making very clear here over and over, and he goes into this, you know, how many of you can add a single cubit to your height or stature? Sometimes it makes a reference to length of time, depending on your translations. But basically he's saying what? All that anxiety and worry about what's going to happen down the road is worthless. Worthless for positive things. It's a powerful weapon in the hands of the enemy. It's a tremendous weapon in the hands of the enemy. Because what happens to our faith when we're consumed with anxiety and fear? They don't coexist. There's one or the others in control. And he's saying, focus on me. Trust me. Build that relationship With me. Build that margin in your life so I have time to accomplish what I want in your life. So you can hear my voice. How many of you, if you've ever fallen into this kind of worry and anxiety, say things like, Boy, I wish I could just hear the Lord in this. There's so much noise there with this anxiety and fear, you aren't going to hear much of anything. At least not from the Lord. We need to quiet ourselves out that time and then he really it's kind of like a slap in the face how many of you think the Lord gives you a slap in the face gently with love and he says this and you might miss it because he calls them Gentiles how many of you know what a Gentile often is, is in the Bible an unbeliever he says why are you acting like the Gentiles why are you acting like them They're living like animals because their spirit is dead. Why are you acting like them? They worry about all that stuff all the time. They don't have me. They don't know me. They can't put their trust and hope and faith in me. Don't live like the unbelievers. Don't live like the animals. Don't be anxious. And he gets specific in verse 33 and 34 where he talks about not worrying about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough of its problems. What is he saying? Don't worry about tomorrow because you're going to be overwhelmed by tomorrow's problems. No, that's not what he's saying. He says, don't be anxious for tomorrow because you can't do a thing about it. And if you can trust me for today, Spend that time with me today. Ask me for what you need today. Spend time with me today. When tomorrow comes, we'll do it again. And we'll get through tomorrow just fine. If you put your trust and faith and hope in me. There's plenty of things. And I think we all know this, but we let ourselves slip into this snare of anxiety and worry. I think we all know that it doesn't do a single bit of good worrying about the worst-case scenarios all the time. Now, there's, there's, there's proper management, if you would. Take a business world, for example. We're going to do this. We need to look at what could happen on the positive side, what could happen on the negative side. There's nothing wrong with that. That's just called being good stewards of whatever it is. We can do that, But as soon as it starts to turn into fear and anxiety and worry, we need to check ourselves. What should we do? Immediately, look to the Lord. Ask Him. Cry out to Him. That may look different for all of us. Spend time in the Word. Maybe it's just spend time in prayer. Maybe it's just trying to silence yourself before God and just hear His voice. He's got this. In the life of a Christian, he's got this. He knows you. He knows me. He created you. He created me. He knows what tomorrow is going to bring. And five years from now and 20 years from now, he knows we don't have a clue. Turn to him. There's no sense you and I go out there and borrow tomorrow's troubles for today. It's a lot easier just to give those troubles today to him. Tomorrow comes. We're going to do it again. He can handle it. Frankly, we can't. We're not wired to. We're not created to. We're created to need Him. And He wants us to understand and know that. And honestly, creating that margin, that time that we can just set ourselves apart, will do way more good in our life, physically as well as emotionally and spiritually, than any amount of anxiety or worry could ever come up with I jokingly slap myself in the face and say why pray when I can worry ever say that don't it's a bad idea why worry when we can pray when we can go to the Lord our Heavenly Father he wants us to create margin in our lives and in our schedules and not allow anxiety to rob this time I want to close with three quick scriptures won't elaborate much at all. Psalms 55, 22, Cast your cares, your anxieties. It's the same word translated to cares instead of anxieties. Cast your cares upon the Lord, and he will sustain you. He'll never let the righteous fall. You and I are the righteous of God because of the righteousness of Christ that now is given to us. He will sustain us, so cast our cares upon me. He wants us to do that. Tells us there are cares. There always will be given to him. First Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. He loves you. He wants to take them and carry them for you. And lastly, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, by prayer and asking, with thanksgiving, Present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will grant your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Will guard your hearts and mind. There's so often that we'll hear that verse quoted, peace of God that transcends all understanding. We may word it a little differently than that. But how does it come? By casting all your cares upon the Lord. That's what we need to do. Don't let anxiety steal anything more. And notice, when he tells us to do these things, every time there's a promise attached to it. And with the Lord, it's like more than, it's a guarantee. It's a guarantee. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, I acknowledge that at times, I certainly become very anxious, worried, and even fearful about those things that I can't control about those things that may or may not ever happen. Lord, I just confess that is a lack of faith and trust in you. Lord, I pray for any one of us here that are going through challenges in our lives, that we would be quick to cast our cares upon you, that we might find that peace that passes all understanding. God, that the enemy could not steal a moment of our time because we're in state of anxiousness or fearfulness or worry. God, give us discernment between what is concern and worry that is healthy than the kind of worry and anxiety that paralyzes and causes us to act so irrationally. Lord, I pray that as we continue to create this margin to spend time with you, we will begin to know you in ways we Never dreamt possible. We will know you better. We'll know your love better. We'll experience your presence in ways that will change our lives and transform us. Lord, I pray that you would give us grace. Holy Spirit, I pray you would reveal to each one of us, convict us of those things that are stealing our time. We were wasting time, throwing it away. Time that we could be making room for you to work in our lives. And Lord, as we go our way now, I pray you would watch over us, bless us, keep us safe. Provide those opportunities to be your hands and feet to demonstrate the love of Christ to the world that's hurting. That we might share the hope that's in us, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Let us go and walk by faith, not by sight, not the things that we see in the world, but we go with hope, encouraged by your Holy Spirit. Ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.